Playing the fastest game in town? Welcome to the Daily Searchcast. Featuring search engine analyst Danny Sullivan. Keeping you up to speed and ahead of the game on what's happening in the search engine marketing arena. Each day, join us for a recap of the prior days happening in your world. The Daily Searchcast makes sense of industry stories and sharing off-the-cuff remarks about what happened and what may come. Guest hosts give you a closer look and keep things rolling along with questions. So tune in and keep informed on the latest from Google, Yahoo, and search ask and other search engines join us now for this edition of Searchcast. here's your hosts good morning and welcome to today's edition of the daily Searchcast. today is monday february 19th my name is barry schwartz i'm from rusty brick and with me today is detlev johnson from position tech hey detlev how you doing hey barry what's up staying warm over there you know what it's starting to warm up a little here, and uh, I'm in the Chicago area. It's been just biting cold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's coming over here, too. I'm in New York, and right now, this morning, it was like 6 degrees, but tomorrow, it's supposed to be 40. Right. So, looking forward to that. Danny's right now in Vermont, you know, skiing. See the temperature there there, there right now is about 0 degrees. <laughs> so, uh, But tomorrow, it's supposed to warm up over there. Like, it says 34 degrees tomorrow, so I guess he's not going to freeze off his you know face while he's skiing down the mountain. Tomorrow. No, sounds like a good day for skiing. If it's yeah. recently been freezing and then the sun pokes out, those are good days. Yeah, definitely. So, well, how's everything going? You've got like a billion posts here that I should run through. Um, I'm going to start back on postings from February 16th, which uh, was last time we did SearchCast. So, um, starting off where we left off from before, um, actually with a post by Gord and the user experience interviews, which he's been conducting lately, which is a really great series if you're into user experience. And Gord certainly is on uh, the forefront, I'd say, of uh, SEOs who are examining uh, the search user experience. And he's done a series of interviews with search engines. Now, um, on the 16th, there's a really nice, well-written, lengthy posting uh, running down his interviews. And... In a nutshell, you could basically uh, read into his conclusion that with Google, everything is about relevancy, and uh, that may be rooted in part uh, by not only Marissa Meyer, but also Larry and Sergi. So um, those uh, are the job number one with Google, relevancy. It makes sense to the rest of us. Yahoo, it's about balancing relevancy and um course, monetization because it, uh, you know, it's key over there. They want to, you know, earnings. And uh, with Microsoft, it's also a balance like that. But um, they uh, have other um, interesting ways to make money. Of course, the operating system and everything else that it uh, may not quite be as important. And both Google and Yahoo, uh, or at least Google and Microsoft, have a similar vision of using personalization relevancy. Uh, moving forward, and Yahoo is taking a little bit of a different tack, uh, one that I like, which is using the uh, social networking uh, and the social aspects to the web to try to improve search results. So, Right. Yeah, they've been talking about that for a while. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking with Nick Fox of AdWords, the AdWords team, the quality AdWords team, um, on Wednesday, and he was talking about how they want, um, you know, they want the actual... AdWords results to be more relevant than the organic results, or, and that you know, the founders actually want that. Well, yeah. You know, though, Barry, the important thing there is that what kind of search query are we talking about? If you're looking for some kind of a scientific document that's 
widely available. Maybe you're looking for uh, the you know the DNA uh, <laughs> um, uh, paper, you know, and right. in that kind of a query, you're never going to get an ad word that's more relevant than the natural search results because nobody's really unless you're selling, you know, a paper or something <laughs> like that, you know, or if you're just not going to match that search user with an advertisement that's more relevant than the natural query. But on the other hand, you know, yeah. digital camera, uh, sure, the ad words or the sponsored listings might indeed be more relevant than the natural. It's possible. Yeah. So it's all about what kind of query it is. Yeah. Speaking of ads, uh, Google buys Adscape for $23 million bucks. This is interesting yeah. because um, definitely Google, with its success in the text advertising uh, search business, has tried several different things, including radio with DMARC Broadcasting, that acquisition. But this one... Uh, may be more targeted towards placing ads in video games. As you know, the uh, Microsoft uh, is doing so with, like, Xbox, so that if you're on a racetrack, you might see ads on the, you know, like you would on a real racetrack, but those might be paid placements. So it's right. the same kind of thing with uh, Adscape. So Google's getting into that game as well, no pun. <laughs> right. I was, I was reading Red Herring, this, the magazine, this, this weekend, mm-hmm. talking a lot about how the, you know, the uh, ad, um, the Nothing. The game market is increasing like ridiculous. So, obviously, this is some place that Google wants to be, and uh, most people want to be because I mean, I, I, I actually almost bought a PlayStation Three this Sunday or mm-hmm. Saturday night, and I pulled myself back because I really don't have t- you, know, you have time to play PlayStation Three. <laughs> but it's just uh, it's just the graphics are unbelievable, and I, I guess more and more people are going to start using it, especially when it comes to these. I don't know, you know, second life type of place and stuff like that. So I assume it's all involved. Well, you know, um, I read that uh, the gaming industry is bigger, especially even with considering sports, because you mentioned in the blog posting the NFL Madden game um, that the gaming gaming, uh, industry is bigger than, like, the NFL and the NBA and then NHL combined. Wow, huge, huge amounts of money going into people buying games, and it's because more people can, you know, they have more access to going down to their local store and purchasing a game and a and a console uh, than maybe you know uh, signing up, you know, or at least going to to games and stuff live. And so, you know, I mean, the, the difference in revenue, uh, gaming is bigger. Of course, there's also a wider variety of games, but that's the idea: is that these things are in so many homes that, yeah, if you could conceivably buy through Google or Microsoft uh, or maybe one day Yahoo uh, an advertised placement in a game, wouldn't you know, especially those games that are played online, it makes sense to me. It's almost like, you know, buying a banner on a website, only this isn't the website, it's in your game, on your console at home. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. You're playing, you're playing like NHL, you know, 2000, whatever, and... Uh, you see on the boards, like you're, while you're, you know, getting checked into the boards, you see an ad for like, you know, local, uh, I don't know, Starbucks coffee or something. <laughs> you know, yeah, based on your search I, I, history. I would, uh, I would be interested uh, if in the future at some point I actually am playing a game and see an ad for one of my websites or something or a client. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, that would be pretty weird. So, uh, moving on, Jerry Yang donates $75 million to Stanford University. Uh, this is a school where he has uh, attended, however, never really completed his uh, doctorate in electrical engineering. 
and Stanford is likely to spend this, uh, you know, a portion or the majority of this money on new environmental studies. So Jerry Yang, founder of Yahoo, uh, donates $75 million to Stanford. Hopefully one day you'll give about the same amount to your, uh, you know, university. That would be a nice <laughs> thing. That yeah. It would be very, very cool to be in that position. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Aaron Stanton... Uh, you have a posting here about uh, he started a cangoogleherme.com. He has a business proposition and apparently now may not be uh, uh, able to speak any further, whether there's an NDA in place or whatever it is. But can, maybe you could shed a little light on this uh, whole thing because getting, getting it from the blog posting is kind of like, gee, he's sort of just uh, YouTubed and created a blog about his adventure trying to uh, contact Google with his business plan. Yeah, yeah. So it goes back where, I don't know, he has a video on this can, you, can Google hear me dot com thing saying, you know, I've been trying to get through to Google. They're not answering my emails. They're not answering my phone calls. They're not, you know, I have this business proposal that I want to send Google. It's a really great proposal, and I've been, whatever, trying this for like a year or so. And then he was inspired because one of, I think his father passed away, and his father always said, go ahead and do this. So what he did was he bought a ticket to visit them at, you know, Mountview. He went there. He he did not have an appointment. He waited outside of the parking lot, posted these videos of himself in the parking lot, jumping up and down, and, you know, waiting for like days after days. And finally, after the third or fourth day, waiting in the parking lot, he claims he got an appointment at Google to meet with a guy named David to give over his business proposal. Um, after that, um, we don't know anything more. Um, I emailed some people at Google asking them if it's true, and Matt Cutts actually posted a comment um, on the blog saying he's going to find out if it is true or not. Um, as of now, uh, Robert Scoble, he said he met with this guy, Aaron, and that, um, I don't know, he has a whole thing about that and saying how Aaron can't talk about talk about it anymore. And we don't know what the business proposal is, and we don't know much more about details, but so he got a meeting after third or fourth day, and after that we don't know what's going on. We don't even know if it's true yet, so that's all I know. Well, let's let's move into a nice segue into a post about um, uh, which ends with uh, uh, a link off to your original post about best way to contact Google. But here's a Texas school, uh, a, a manager who um, uh, works for a school district in Texas, manages 9,000 employees and 64,000 students, changing the IP block. And since the change, um, all of a sudden... Uh, the people using the new IP block were you know, transferred to Google Canada when they wanted to search Google rather than Google.com, which was a minor annoyance. But the issue is this caused a bunch of uh, phone calls to his office, and he had to deal with this problem. Just by changing IP blocks, all of a sudden there's this problem. So he goes back and checks the IP block, which uh, sometime uh, up until 2005 was originally uh, used by an organization in Alberta, Canada, and basically, he's uh, saying that Google's, uh, you know, country tables are stale, as stale as 2005. So as a result, he, uh, you know, might have used maybe your way to contact Google, but instead had his attorney draft a certified letter. Right. It was actually interesting. I mean, he could have easily went to, like, Google Groups and, like, posted something in one of the Webmaster Helps area or something like Or not even Webmaster Helps, but any of those where Google's watching. Mm-hmm. And if it's picked up by the right person, I think it's fairly easy for Google to update that. I mean, I would mm-hmm. suspect. But whatever, he has his 
other ways to contact Google, and I guess the legal the legal way might work. You got some publicity, so I hope. I wonder if I wonder what happened with that. I wonder if they actually fix that out. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting we'll to follow the story. Is it, you know, probably there's nothing regarding a, a suit here. You know, there's there's no legal grounds for anything, but whatever. So, um, Yahoo's uh, Sung Nak Yang. I hope I didn't butcher that too badly. Um, he is uh, heading up. He's the CEO of Yahoo Korea. Uh, decided to resign. And he's not really saying why. Um, he basically uh, sums it up by saying there is some disagreement between Yahoo Korea and Yahoo USA. Uh, but under his uh, under his uh, CEO uh, time there, uh, the revenue had. Sales grew by 25% and operating profit by 30%. He just decided to step down for other reasons. Yeah, seemed like he wasn't too happy, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, usually these things are go away quietly, like, yeah, we just have personal reasons or something, but this one, obviously, he is not happy. He said, "We have I disagree with the U.S., and the U.S. disagrees with me, yep. yada, yada. He's staying on until May, I think, um, I guess, to train some other CEO to start to take over his job. Right. Well, that's that's the story. <laughs> Here's a cool one. Um this is a nice way for you to uh better organize and optimize your campaigns in AdWords. That you now have the ability to pause individual ads and individual keywords in the AdWords interface. Uh there may be some bugs that need to be worked out as yet, but this is a coming feature which I find incredibly useful because uh in order to sort of organize an AdWord campaign or any search marketing campaign for that matter, you've got to like group things and that's why you have AdWord groups and whatever. And so, you know, you group them into campaigns, you group them into ad groups and man, you know, it can get kind of tricky. And the reason why you would want to do that is so that you can switch off like a product category or not, you know, pause it and then restart it and so on. Whatever it be, whether it be for day parting or whether it be simply that, you know, as as pointed out here that you might run out of inventory on a specific item or whatever. But now the ability to actually pause individual ads or keywords gives you better refinement for that, which may mean that you can, you know, sort of graduate out a lot of your organization into bigger groups, which I like. I think that's a nice feature. Yeah, a lot of people are very, very excited about this. Um, yeah, I mean, they have all these tricks they've done in the past, like lower down the bids of individual ads and stuff, but now they have, I mean, there's, people are just very ecstatic about it. I saw the forums discussion at Webmaster World this morning, and people are just so happy that they have this. Place. Oh, it's, it's, it's pretty huge. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so... Um, there's a great posting here uh, that you put up on uh, the local search algorithm. You know, um, Essentially, Matt McGee had a, a rundown of um, what might be uh, giving you better positioning in, in uh, Google local search, uh, which might also uh, be similar to other searches and not totally only Google. But here you have one, you know, ten list of ten items that you pulled from the from the uh, posting. Use of Google's local business center. So if you've obviously got a listing in there, you're good to go. That's number one. Availability of trust or of business data, whether it's going to be accurate or uh, where the source comes from. Uh, a business website. Uh, listings in second-tier local directories. So if you go for other local directories and you have listings there, then uh, that can affect your rankings. Listings in vertical directories. References from other websites. Reviews. Proximity to location. 
so that's going to be an, a factor depending on if they're searching just outside your area. You may still show up if you have these other things as long as you're in proximity. Location, uh, prominence, and user query, use of other Google services. So these are interesting uh, aspects to the Google local search algorithm. Yeah, yeah. A unique approach to a Google local post out there. So it was very nice. Oh, to yeah. See. Oh, yeah. And talking about optimization, there's a uh, there's an article uh, by Jill Whalen about title tags, uh, which is one of the most important elements in SEO. Continues to be, will always be. And one quick disclaimer: I've run a series of title tag things in search return lately. So the last week and a half or so has been focused on titles. Um, a more general uh, article here by Jill can give you some ideas. It's, uh, basically, uh, some helpful tips about you know, what you should do, writing titles. Yep. Have you read, my, have you read my, my title series at all, Barry, or haven't seen not. it? not. Oh, that's at your site? Yeah, search return, just hit the Digest Archive, and the last, like, three to five issues have focused on titles. I'll take a look. I'll take a look. Cool. Thank you. Shameless plug. Okay, no, so no. Wikipedia enters top ten most visited sites. Um... Basically, this is hand-in-hand hand with another posting you've got uh, about how much traffic Google is really, you know, sending Wikipedia's way. I mean, we've all seen Wikipedia and the results, not just Google, but the other engines, too. They're very prominent, of course. Um, it's, it's just been growing quite phenomenally. And now uh, Comscore's latest uh, January 2007 Stats show that Wikipedia grew from 13th to now in ninth place, 43 million unique visitors, which is pretty awesome growth for Wikipedia. Unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable. And I mean, I don't know if this segues into the post I did this morning um, on how much of that traffic actually comes from Google, but maybe you want to talk about that later or now. Well, let me uh, let me shoot over to that one, and then uh, here it is. Google sending Wikipedia a ton of traffic. Check this out. So, um, yeah, this is one you posted this morning. Um, Google traffic to Wikipedia up 166% year over year. This is uh, that's uh, a link or a reference that you know was really the, the germ for this, uh, um, the seed for this posting uh, is a uh, article in Hitwise. Basically, 70% of Wikipedia's upstream visits came from search engines. That's 70% of people finding Wikipedia by search engines. That's that's a nice large chunk of traffic from search engines. Yes, 50% came from Google. So that kind of matches Google's search market share, of course. Uh, the percentage of Google downstream traffic to going to Wikipedia increased 166% year over year. This is the interesting fact, is that it more than doubled, of course, uh, you know, year over year. So basically, Google's sending more and more visitors, which infers that they have better and better positioning and more and more content in the Google search engine. So Google's sending them tons more stuff. And basically, yeah. Wikipedia last week was the third website in Google's downstream, <laughs> which uh, just goes to show uh, these things, uh, the posting you had this morning and, of course, last Last week, late last week, uh, Wikipedia is really strong in the search engines. Rock on. Definitely. 
It's, yeah, I mean, the comments out there, a lot of people are upset that Wikipedia ranks so well. A lot of people say it's not fair. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a whole debate. Maybe we'll get into that some other time. Ah, hell, go edit the page that's ranking ahead of you. <laughs> I mean, you get the chance to. And if you're relevant, then you really can edit that page. And besides, you know, it it's just one of those things you have to live with, you know. If you want to be number one for travel, you're going to have a hell of a time getting above, like, Expedia and Travelocity and those other sites. It's just you just got to live with it. I mean, if you sell IBM ThinkPads, you know, good luck getting above IBM. <laughs> Right. You know, so I mean, Wikipedia is one of those authoritative sites. Uh, it just simply is. There's no doubt about it. And you know, um, it might it might be the cause for why there was so much concern when Wikipedia made no fault on all their you know outbound links. You know, right. Because if, if it's so high in PageRank, why not pass some of that along? But what it did was made a lot of SEOs wanna wanna spam Wikipedia, which is no good either. Interesting stuff. Well, if you've got a feed, whether it be a blog or, you know, home-baked like search return is, <laughs> um, check out your logs using, um, you know, hopefully you can drill down to the specific entry of the user agent. And now you will find in there, like some other uh, blog search engines, Google Reader now is reporting subscriber numbers in that log entry, which is, which means basically if you examine your logs, and you drill down to a hit from a blog search engine, and now with Google Reader, uh, it'll tell you how many subscribers they have in there, which is a nice thing to know. Like, gives you an idea how many people are using Google Reader to subscribe to your feed. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you took. Do you, do you see anything in your stats with that, or you don't... not Google Reader yet? But I definitely have seen it with like NewsGator and all the others. You know, they tell you how many subscribers you got. And I like blog lines because you don't have to look at your logs. You can just Hit your hit your uh, your file in blog lines and look, and it'll tell you how many people are subscribing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Later today, I'm going to publish the search cap, um, daily search cap, and mm -hmm. you'll see I have about four or five links, different places that saying, you know, look at my FeedBurner stats jump, you know, because FeedBurner automatically included the Google Reader and Google Personalized Search data, subscriber data, mm -hmm. and it's I don't know when this happened, but some reason blog lines. Completely, I mean, Google Reader complete or Google and Google Personalized, uh, uh, you know, homepage actually blew away blog lines. I thought blog really? lines was the most, yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I'm, I am um, take a look at my thing right here. Pull up some stats for the Surgeon Roundtable. My main feed, not I have like two feeds, but the main feed um, shows that Google Reader and Google Personalized homepage counts for 38 percent of my RSS subscribers. Blog lines really? only only blog lines only nineteen percent compared to thirty eight percent of Google. So well, that's, yeah, that's nice to know. That's very nice to know. I mean, I I regularly hit blog lines as sort of like a bellwether about you know how many subscribers I got. But and hey, when I'm reading my logs, I always make note to go check out and see what the latest numbers are. But if right. uh, you know if there if Google Reader and subscribe you know personalized page. Um, is that high? I mean, also Yahoo. Do you do you, do you know your Yahoo? Um, let me see if it has it there. I think it's pretty small. Yeah, my Yahoo is five percent. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, Feedblitz. It's like the service that does RSS to email, so people describe your email is nine percent. NetVibes is eight percent. Mm -hmm. So Google, then Bloglines, then this email Feedblitz, then it's NetVibes, Firefox, my Yahoo, and then other readers bumped in at fourteen percent. 
So my Yahoo is one, two, three, four, five, six in place in terms of what my personal feed, the search and roundtable. Yeah. Right. Very interesting. I mean, I used to use my Yahoo back in the day. I switched from them to Bloglines, and I tried switching to Google Reader, but on a Mac, it doesn't run too well for me personally. Mm-hmm. And of course, I guess Mac will come back. Mac Cuts commented was saying, why doesn't it work too well? You know, he basically said he knows a lot of people using Apple's. He asked me, why is it not working too well on my Apple? So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. So, it's just interesting, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, anxious to see what my uh, Google uh, subscribers are now that you've told me that it makes up possibly 20%, or or no, that's blog lines is 20%, that it's way, it's like 38%, you said, right? Yeah, so whatever it is, I multiply your subscribers by, I don't know, huge, like, you know, People are saying it goes up like I don't know, what was it like, a hundred percent? I don't know. Right. For some people coming up numbers. I mean, when you combine all of them, it really depends. Because obviously, my readers are probably more likely to use Google Reader over blog lines. Mm-hmm. So, really depends. Sounds like fun. Go check out the stats. Speaking of fun, Danny's uh, doing a little word play on the word paparazzi, and now he's calling it searcherazzi. Searcherazzi is a new column. Uh, he posted his first issue on the 16th. And it's basically sort of rumor-mongering kind of thing going on and uh, sort of like the uh, you know tabloid in a way, kind of rumor stuff pointing to different places and just some fun news bits and tidbits. So check out Searcherazzi. In fact, his first posting includes things about SEMPO and SEMPO elections uh, SEOs going for um, uh, uh, optimizing campaigns in the new coming up U.S. elections and uh, a warfare between SEO PPC. So check it out. Searcherazzi. Definitely. Column coming to you. Already the first issue out. And here's a posting on uh, the Google AdWords quality score, which uh, was originally... Um, due to come out last Friday, and uh, there was a new column on the quality score showing your page score. Uh, apparently has had a bit of a bug going on where some people who have a good page quality score, you assume the CPC would be really low, but apparently people who are tracking these things are reporting that you know their CPCs are inc- actually increasing after seeing that their page quality score was good. Check out the posting, look at the article. Make sure that uh, it isn't happening to you. The Google customized search engines to harness the wisdom, wisdom of experts. This is um, an interesting uh, little bit on. Uh, re- Let's see if I don't butcher this too badly. Ramet Raman Nathan Gua. He's uh, the in- you know the inventor of several different things, including the RSS standard point nine has other, you know, there's a rich resume that uh, this posting publishes or refers to. And uh, Mr. Gua is uh, pretty much um, heading up the Google customized search engine area. And uh, there's some uh, patents that were recently filed. And uh, the patent applications are on programmable search engines. Uh, interesting that Mr. Gua is the uh, uh, listed as the inventor. Um, essentially, 
programmable search engines are described as Google's custom search engines. And uh, what's interesting here is that uh, the applications sort of uh, infer, anyhow, that uh, the, uh, these customized search engines are, in fact, using the wisdom of experts and in such a way that might influence relevancy. So check out the posting, read through um, the application for a patent, and uh, you know what we have here going on with Google. Another bit of news, interesting, Google is suing a Polish poet group over the use of gmail.pl. <laughs> and this is because Gmail, um, I don't think I'm going to even try to pronounce the uh, name of the poet. <laughs> it just starts with grupa, which I assume means group, <laughs> and uh, uh, perhaps the name of three poets or something. Anyhow, but the whole thing turns into Gmail, and they've registered gmail.pl. Now, they are being sued by Google over the name so that Google can start using gmail.pl. But in fact, this group uh, did not register it in order to, quote-unquote, sell it back to Google <laughs> and make money. Uh, as a matter of pride, we're refusing to give it up. So it'll be interesting to follow this uh, suit and see what happens to the gmail.pl poet group. Right. And as you know, um, they lost the case to use the term Gmail in, in Europe. So that happened like a month ago or so. Right. So, you know, I guess they uh, just want to go after their own intellectual property where they can, and even if they lose, oh, well, you know, keep right. keep fighting, keep driving. <laughs> Speaking about driving, Google has <laughs> now a paper out on hard drive failures. This is a pretty nice little... Uh, thing to check out, particularly if uh, you're in the IT group. Uh, check out the hard drive failure rate as Google found it to be, and some conclusions. A couple that are very interesting. One that uh, seemed very interesting to me is the drives that are cooled excessively actually fail more often than those running a little hot. Yeah. So, you know, the uh, idea behind cooling and heating drives has to do with the fact that the uh, materials expand and contract with the temperature, and so drives can fail that way because they got to read these uh, small magnetic, um, uh, you know, ones and zeros on the drive. And as the materials expand and contract, it can cause drives to fail. So people generally think of the heating up of drives as, you know, making them fail. But um, the correlation between drive temperature and failure rates actually is less than expected, and they found that those that cool the drives know, a bit too much, uh, actually fail more often, which it was interesting to me. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, this is a pretty good uh, paper. Check it out. Um, and uh, especially if you're in the IT group, these things are important to you. Finally, coming up on the tail end of the show, we've got Google Docs and spreadsheets might be coming into Google Apps. And uh, there is speculation that Google Apps is going to be a fee-based thing so that you can get a bundle of applications powered by Google for your business or even personal use that you pay for. Another way for Google to actually start charging for things. I found it funny that it was one of, on one of Danny's top ten lists about what you know search engines should do, that Google should start charging for things because they give so much away for free. Of course, there's those who hope that it continues to be free, but as we all know, 
things that are free may tend to start, you know, growing stale. And those things that are paid, there, there's a, a benefit to uh, increasing the usefulness of it. So if Google started charging for things, perhaps they'd continue to innovate and, uh, and uh, you know, bring, you know, put more resources to bringing applications into the more, more and more, uh, reach new, newer and higher levels of quality and so on. Although they do a pretty darn good job for things that are free. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think it's a good idea to charge for something like this. And obviously, Google Docs and Spreadsheets is the next logical thing to roll into apps, in my opinion. Um, so, but that wraps it up, right? That wraps it up. Thank you, Barry. Great. Well, thank you, Detlef. That wraps up today's Monday's February 19th edition of Daily Searchcast. Tune in, I think, tomorrow for, at 11.30 for our next uh, Daily Searchcast. Everyone have a great day. See you tomorrow, everybody. The Daily Searchcast is produced and sponsored by WebmasterRadio.fm, the destination for education and entertainment. Looking to boost your competitive edge? Your bottom line? Network with your peers? Then stay tuned into WebmasterRadio.fm, where you can listen live or in podcast format to our award-winning exclusive radio shows hosted by the most respected names in the Internet world. Hi, this is Katie Kempner. Please join me Tuesdays at 2 o'clock for The Hook at the intersection of advertising and PR while I talk with my friends, industry leaders, about the state of the industry today right here on WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm, putting you in the front row with unprecedented access to everyone you need to know. Log in now.